Now, how many of you remember our story two weeks ago where we had Philip went to Samaria? And uh, in Samaria, he met Simon the magician who got saved, right? And uh, we had some discussion about him. And in the midst of this revival in Samaria, which they had to bring the apostles down to understand that now this gospel's going to those people who are not pure Jews, but in fact mixed breed. And uh, so there's some semblance of Jew Judaism in them. So maybe God's reaching just a little bit. But uh, then Philip gets called out of revival. And in verse 26, where we start. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. How many of you have ever had a great experience in God? You've got revival, you've got people all around you, and God tells you to go to a desert. You ever feel like that? Right? You move from something from glory to glory, but I, I tend to sometimes go from glory to desert. But he was willing and obedient. You know, God's got something for us. No matter what the surrounding is, there's something good in God. So if we have to go through a desert, go through a desert. If he tells you to go there, go there. If you look at this map, he was all the way up in Samaria. So that's all the way up here. God told Philip, now this man's walking. God told Philip to come back from Samaria down south to Jerusalem over towards Gaza as he's heading down to Ethiopia. And so he's between Jerusalem and Gaza and he runs into somebody, doesn't he? All right, he runs into an Ethiopian eunuch. Let's take a look at this. And he rose up and went. I like that. Go here. And he rose up and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this guy. Where's he from? Ethiopia. All right, now Ethiopia is not in, in the exact same location of where we have today. Ethiopia is in Africa. And so it extended from Africa up into the lower parts of Canaan and Israel, okay? But here we have an Ethiopian, and what, did it, what's, what does it describe him as? He's a what? A eunuch. What's a eunuch? All right, I mean, here, we're all adults here. He was neutered, right? I mean, he was cut, and uh, why would they do that to someone? So they no longer have a sexual drive, and they're no longer interested in uh, sexual activity. Why would you do that to somebody? The protection of who they're serving. You said something, Larry, I like. Concentrate on the job, right? Not be distracted. Paul kind of talks about this in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians. He says, I would like some of you to be like I am. I'm not distracted by a woman or I don't burn after sexual relations. And he said, but if you do, go ahead and get married so you don't enter into sin. 
but it's better that you not get married if you're going to try and preach the gospel to the nations. Why, why is it better? Again, not, no distraction. My wife and I were talking about this last night in the sense that the minute you get married, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, what is your first concern? Your wife, your mate, right? Then what if you have kids? Yeah. Now they can go with you, can't they? Sure. But, and Paul's talking, if you didn't have that, you would be singly focused, okay? So there's a couple reasons for eunuchs. One was if they're going to protect the harem, this was quite frequently, they would protect the king's harem, all the women he's got, or the queen. Here, this guy's pretty important, don't you think? Because he's protecting whom? The queen of Ethiopia, okay? That's, he's high up there. So he's a trusted official. I want you to think about that. What, what would happen if this guy got saved? What could he do? Yeah, influence the queen, influence the rest of the nation. You know, there's many times when God goes after those who are next to those in, in position because they have an influence as opposed to someone who is in that high position. So God did that with Daniel. God did that with Joseph, right? He put them in those positions and places. Now, he's an Ethiopian eunuch. So now also eunuchs became a title. Later on uh, in the ancient Middle East, a eunuch didn't necessarily mean they were castrated. It, it could also mean that they, were, they had an official title and a position. Jesus mentions eunuchs. Let's look at what Jesus has to say about eunuchs. It's in Matthew 9, 11 to 12. And Jesus goes into a discussion on eunuchs. He says this, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so, uh, so from birth. All right, so what does that mean? There's eunuchs who have been so from birth. Deformity. This goes all the way back to the book of Leviticus and all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. According to Deuteronomy, anyone who was deformed or castrated could not serve in temple ministry, couldn't enter in to the temple. So he says there are some people who are born deformed. Is that true? Certainly. He goes on, he says this, there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, right, to serve in that capacity, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. What does he mean by that? Chose not to have relationships. Did they castrate themselves? No, see, so the eunuch thing doesn't necessarily mean cutting off, okay? What it means is that single focus and that devotion. Men and women can be a eunuch for God or stay single and not be involved in sexual activity. That's what he's saying. Celibacy, right. That's what Jesus is saying, okay? And then he goes on and he says, let the one who's able to receive this receive it. 
Let me ask you this. According to the teachings of Jesus and according to the New Testament, anybody who is not married should be celibate. Right? Is this a foreign teaching to the church? It shouldn't be. Everybody who's not married should be a eunuch for God. Celibate from sexual relations because that is for covenant relationship. Amen? All right. So there's a lot to this whole eunuch idea. This guy being high up there, he could have been born a eunuch and, they, they, and he got that job. He could have been made a eunuch. Probably one of those two. The other was a eunuch to the kingdom of God, but this guy didn't know uh, yet what was going on. So just some interesting conversation about a eunuch. All right? So we know that about this guy. Now, he, where did he go? Why, why was he heading there? To do what? To worship. To worship who? Why would you ride all the way to Jerusalem? But he was a believer. He believed in Yahweh. He accepted the Jewish faith and believed Yahweh was God. And there's only one place where God dwells in his temple at this time. And where is that? Jerusalem. This is one devoted guy, right? So here, the queen's eunuch, high position, high authority, is going to travel all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship God. Do you think he was alone? Probably had a caravan with him, right? He probably had armed guards. He probably had an entourage with him. He's heading up there. Because, again, he is the bodyguard of the queen. Uh, she probably gave him access to soldiers and a caravan. And he's heading up to Jerusalem to worship. All right, so he's with a caravan. He's traveling. Philip's trudging through the desert. And what happens? You know, he got a prophetic word. This is prophetic evangelism. Right? I mean, he's wandering around the desert. Should he talk to that guy on the camel? Should he talk to that guy on a camel? Should he talk to the Bedouins over there? Who should he talk to? God told him exactly who to talk to. Has anybody ever had that experience? All right, so he's going to go talk to this very important man. Probably had his, he had his own chariot. He went and he was sitting in his chariot. Now, let's talk about this because this story is meaningful to us today, and there's a lot of meaning behind it. Um, what is prevalent right now in the church is that this story is important to many people because this is what many believe to be the first gay man that Jesus accepted into the church. This is part of the theology that's playing out now in the church. They're saying and that many times eunuchs were transgender or bisexual because they were castrated, so it changed their sexual orientation. And this is the kind of stuff that you're seeing all over the internet. So why 
with the information you have right now, how can you refute this? How do you know? Maybe the guy was gay. May, and, and he's transsexual, bisexual. He had a surgery, and, and God wants to welcome him in. All right, but let's be biblical on this issue. Prove to me from the text why he was not gay. Come on, use the, use the text. Don't give me opinions. What in the text? Bring it out more. He was following whom? Jehovah. What does God say in the book of the Old Testament and in the law concerning this? It's an abomination to the Lord. Was he devoted? We know his devotion. He went how far to get to the temple as a follower of Yahweh? Long way. So, he's a follower of Yahweh, therefore he's under the law of God. And what does the law of God say about homosexuality? It's an abomination. It is a sin. So that's all I'm trying to get you to do is work the text. Work the text. When we have our statements our ideas, back it up with Scripture. All right? Because you can't win an argument based on your opinion. Right? So we have to back it up that God says in His Word, this is an abomination. Because how many people right now have you heard where they say, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Jesus never had a problem with it. You didn't hear Him address it. Back that up with Scripture. Tell me, did Jesus need to make reference to homosexuality? Teacher of the law. He believed the law. It was already written. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law and save people from sin who break the law, right? That's what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm working you to always go back to a scriptural point. Alright, so we don't accept this it's contrary to scripture it's contrary to hebrew law it's contrary to to what we understand in the story this was a devout man uh, after yahweh of the law and uh, there's no evidence in the text that he was gay in fact all the evidence would prove that he was uh, a man who obeyed the law and sexually pure right all right so we have scripture to back that up okay now, let's go on with our story. All right. So when this guy went up to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, could he go into the temple courts? Here's the verse in Deuteronomy 23.1. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. He couldn't. Interesting. But yet, he traveled all the way there. That's a devout man. So this man was mutilated and yet devout to God. Okay? Now, this is going to play importance. Why, why in the world? Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Luke. Luke, why in the world would Dr. Luke make this a point? Why are we talking about this? Well, give me a reason why we're talking about an Ethiopian. The gospel spreading. The very verses before that, remember it went to Samaria. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And what happened in Jerusalem that we saw a couple weeks ago? 
persecution. They all started to go. And then they went to what city next? Samaria. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the other most parts of the world. And he's heading out now. And he's going to where? Ethiopia. He's reaching. The gospel is now being reached out. But he's a proselyte. What does that mean? Not a prostitute, a proselyte. He's a, he's a devout follower. He's a Gentile believer in Yahweh. Okay, we can handle that. He's still a believer in Yahweh. All right? But God's going to even stretch that out as we go further, isn't he? All right, this is all going to come into importance. Okay, so he goes, the Spirit of the Lord said, go and join that man's chariot. So Philip took a week to get there. What did Philip do? Philip ran. That's cool. Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? What a great, great way to open a discussion. Questions are the most disarming way to begin a conversation. Many of you don't know, how do I start a question? I mean, how do I start a conversation? A question is the best way to do it, okay? So what do you got there? A scroll? What are you doing? You're reading. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, the passage he was reading, and, and he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? So he didn't have a guide. He's trying to understand Hebrew scripture and trying to get deeper, but he has no teacher. All right. Again, he's from Ethiopia. He doesn't have a synagogue to go to. He doesn't have anybody other believers. Now, Philip, uh, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Isaiah 53. Everybody, let's turn to Isaiah 53. He's reading verses, Luke quotes verses 7 and 8. Like sheep we have led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life? is taken from the earth. That's not even the best of Isaiah 53, is it? But I want you to start at verse 4. No, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely we, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Who is Isaiah talking about? This and Psalm 21 are the most obvious prophetic verses about Jesus. Isaiah 53 in Judaism today is called the forbidden chapter. It is not read in synagogues. Others who 
have read it and fight against what Christians say, this being that Yeshua, they say it's talking about the nation of Israel. Israel has been despised and shamed and so forth. So they substitute Israel. The problem is, this is these are personal pronouns. It's talking specifically about a person. And, it's a he, and it is, as we know who it is, it's Jesus. All right? So what scriptures did the the church used to win people to Christ? The Old Testament. We need to get familiar with the Old Testament. This is one of the most powerful uh, chapters to preach on Jesus Christ. It was written thousands of years before it happened. So he tells them Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. That's, that's awesome. And uh, so what happens? Let's see. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the, prof- the prophet say this about himself or someone else? Remember, he's from Ethiopia. He's not heard of Jesus of Nazareth. There's a great opportunity for Philip to tell him. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Wow. That's pretty cool. Something's missing, though. How did we get from Jesus opened his mouth and told him about the gospel of Jesus to can I be baptized? He accepted Jesus, right? So what? let's figure out what did Philip say to him? Let's deduce this from what we see. He obviously told him he must be baptized. Remember the Philippian jailer? What must I do to be saved? What was Paul's response? Repent and be baptized. Right? So he believed, he said, he opened his mouth and shared with him the gospel of Jesus. Let's break that down. Somebody tell me, what is the gospel? Good news. Now, explain to me what that means to a lost person. All right, tell me very specifically what is the good news. In simplicity, the gospel is God so loved the world, He sent the Son. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven. There's the gospel, but... There seems to be something else. We already said it. Repent and be baptized. In order to be baptized, what must you believe? So there has to be belief there. Uh, This was not a religious rite at this time developed by the church. It wasn't some kind of sanctimonious thing that now we have that's just kind of uh, gets me in. This was very specific. What does baptism represent, everybody? Death, burial, 
resurrection. It's key to the gospel. Let me ask you this. We witness to people all the time, don't we? We get them to pray the sinner's prayer. We hope that maybe they'd pray the sinner's prayer. And then we say goodbye. Why, we, why have we removed baptism from part of the whole salvation experience? It, it should be there because it is the first act of obedience. And it is the first act of faith for what you believe. We leave it as an option. Now, let me ask you this. Does baptism save you? No, Mark 16 tells us, repent, believe, be baptized, but those who do not believe shall not be saved. He doesn't say those who aren't baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism demonstrates the faith you have to the public. Okay? All right. It is. But it is essential. It's important on a number of reasons why. Number one, in the spirit realm... It makes you possess by the Spirit of God. By, uh, well, your faith does that. It, it tells the, the, the spirit realm, you now belong to Jesus Christ. You've been buried with Christ and risen with Christ. So my encouragement, if anybody here has not been baptized, but you believe in Jesus Christ, can I encourage you? You must get baptized to secure your place in, in, in your own heart and in warfare against the enemy. Be baptized, okay? All right, let's wrap this up. Now, take a look at this. If he would have read a couple chapters further in Isaiah 56, listen to this prophecy. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. This was prophetic of the gospel opening up to even those who were estranged or on the fringe to Yahweh, those who couldn't come close to Him. It's opening up, and we'll see it open up to the Gentile nations, to all who were afar off. And the first step is this prophecy to the eunuchs. It's no small thing that Luke is writing that Philip went to the Samaritans. Now he's going to whom? A eunuch. And God prophesied that he would allow the eunuchs and he's going to give them a name that's better than any other name. Right? They become sons of God. The name is Jesus Christ. There's a greater name than any. And so it's a fulfillment of prophecy. So that's getting deep into this book of Acts. It's not just some guy. And this, historically, we know that the eunuch went back to Ethiopia and the gospel, there's a strong, strong Christian presence still in Ethiopia today. And that is awesome. So what prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop 
And they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He ended up living in Caesarea. Now, what do you think happened? I mean, he comes out of the water, and where's Philip? There's a couple ways to figure out what happened. Some is, some say that Philip, uh, you know, said, I got to go, peace, and he's gone. And the eunuch didn't see him anymore because he left. Others understand this as he was literally translated out of there by the Spirit, poof, you're gone, and put on the road back to Caesarea. So, you know, what do you believe? Uh, Does this have an impact to the rest of the gospel, whether you think he disappeared and showed up somewhere or he walked away? I don't know. That's, That's, you know, it's... It does sound pretty instant, doesn't it? I mean, the language sounds like, boom, he's gone. And he showed up, boom, someplace else. Okay? Extreme uh, signs and wonders at this time of the spreading of the gospel. God is moving it and advancing it. Now, this is not just an isolated incident. We've got the rest of the believers that were all gathered in Jerusalem are all spreading and going. Okay? And so this stuff's happening all over the place. We're getting certain stories. Why this story? I just shared with you it was prophetic to Isaiah. It's a great story to tell you who Isaiah 53 is about. It's also a great story to show you that it's going to the Samaritans, now to all Gentiles, and prophetically to those who were outcasts. To the early church, if you're a leper, if you're a eunuch, if you're an outcast, and you hear that the gospel's coming to you, that's good news. Amen. All right. Let's close tonight, but let me ask you this. We had a discussion on homosexuals, transgender, and all this. So will the Holy Spirit tell you to go talk to a homosexual? Will the Holy Spirit go tell you to talk to a transgender? Will the Holy Spirit tell you to go talk to a murderer? Uh, I'm not trying to, you know, put these all in categories, all sinners. You know, one's not worse than another, right? One of the problems in the church is we, we, we are overwhelmed by the homosexual, transgender, LGBTQ, while we, while we don't pay attention to the adulterer and fornicators in the church. That, that's inconsistent, okay? So if there's anything we learned tonight about a eunuch, and that is setting your heart to one thing, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, But there are many people out there that we need to go reach with the gospel because this story tells us God is opening the gospel to all people. And those who feel rejected, those who feel on the fringe, God is saying, come. Amen.